Luke 9.23 reads, And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Hello and welcome back to Think This Way. This is the podcast of Faith Bible Church. As always, I am one of the elder pastors here. My name is Pastor Bryce Beal. Today I don't have anyone with me. This will be one of the two solo podcasts, if you will, for this quarter. We always plan that. All the rest have guests. Last week was Andrew Walden, and next week we'll have someone else on. But I wanted to come on here just by myself to talk about a very essential part of discipleship because that's our quarterly focus all the way through December. We began talking about it last week, just what is it? We're not talking about discipling others. We are talking about what it means for you yourself to be a disciple. One of the essential pieces of being a disciple has to do with the call of Jesus Christ. That is what initiates and, as we'll see, is also an ongoing part of being a disciple of Jesus. I gave Luke 9.23 at the beginning of this podcast episode, and that verse, well, it will come up all the time. (laughs) So prepare yourself to hear it quite a lot. Maybe you should memorize it this quarter. It's really very good. It'll be in later episodes also. But in that, Jesus was issuing a call. He was issuing a call to all, it says, if anyone would come after me, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. It's important when talking about the call of Jesus that we start with what we'll call the historical context in which it was given. That just means that when Jesus said that, even Luke 9.23, it was 2,000 years ago. And even the all that he said it to, it wasn't you and me originally. It was a group of humans who lived 2,000 years ago. They are no longer alive on earth, but he said it to them. In other words... When we talk about the call of Jesus, we'll see how it applies to us, but it's important to start with the fact that Jesus' call to his disciples originally was a literal, vocal call that he made 2,000 years ago. Let me give you some examples of his call in the Bible. Here's Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee... Jesus saw two brothers, so these are real historical people, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen, and Jesus said to them, and that is a literal saying with his mouth in a way they could hear, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him, and going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them, presumably using the same words as before, follow me. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. One more example of the literal call of Jesus given in history is a few chapters later in Matthew 9. Jesus is passing on from somewhere and it says he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth and he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. Notice that the call of Jesus to discipleship was originally a verbal call that 
was spoken, it could be heard. Notice too, the content of that call was always, follow me. The same that we see in Luke 9.23. But when he gave that call to his original disciples, it was always, follow me. But it was literally spoken. Notice also that when he first gave it, it was something that could be literally obeyed. It wasn't a metaphor. It wasn't spiritualized. When Matthew sat at his tax booth and Jesus said, follow me, Matthew knew he needed to stand up in a very literal fashion using his actual legs and knees and then walk behind Jesus as Jesus walked. So that's literal. Now, that is the original call of Jesus to discipleship. The problem for us is none of us will receive that literal call. And even if we did, none of us could literally obey that call because Jesus is presently in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. So we can't walk up to heaven. We can't walk behind him. This might tempt you to think that Jesus' call only applied to those historical figures 2,000 years ago, but that's not true. What Jesus did 2,000 years ago, and the reason that the writers of the Gospels relay that information to us, is that Jesus set a pattern for those who would come later. That's true in the Gospels in a lot of different ways, but that's true also of Christ's call. He did it literally, but he set a spiritual pattern that would apply to all of us here later. Because think of yourself. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, there was a time in your life where you were in some ways like these disciples. They were fishermen mending their nets. Or like Matthew, who's sitting at his tax booth collecting money. You're just living your life. You're doing it for fish. You're doing it for taxes. And then you receive a call. It's not a literal verbal call from heaven saying, follow me. But it is a real call. It's what we call an effectual call. It's a call where Jesus, from heaven, through his Holy Spirit, summons you to live a life of following him as he has revealed his will in the scriptures. That's why we can receive Christ's call and follow him, even though he's not on earth, because in essence, we're doing the same thing that was done then, even if not outwardly bodily. The primary thing that Jesus was doing with these disciples was asserting his own will. And the primary thing that they were doing in order to become disciples was submitting to the will of Jesus. He commanded them to follow him. It required them to leave everything that included for James and John, leaving their own father in the boat. <laughs> I'm sure he was shocked. Today, the call comes to us, and even if we can't, even though we can't, literally stand up and walk behind Jesus, we are faced with the same decision that they were faced with. They had to, in essence, submit their wills to Jesus, even if it cost them everything else that they had. You can see why Christians for 2,000 years since that time, even those who didn't hear the verbal call of Jesus, have considered themselves to be responding to that call because it set a pattern of Jesus as a master, a Lord, who is saying, this is my will, leave everything else and follow me and come do my will, and then disciples who submit. That is, in essence, what Christ's call is and what it means to submit to his call. The Bible gives us several different ways of talking about being or becoming a believer. 
Sometimes we talk about conversion, it's a turning. Other times we talk about a rebirth, change in our essence inwardly. We talk about salvation. So there are different words, different language we can use for this experience of coming to Christ. But a very important one is responding to Christ's call to follow him. So even when we say things like coming to Christ, we're drawing on that picture or that pattern of responding to his call that we follow him. But it is important to emphasize this particular way of talking about our coming to Christ or our conversion or our salvation, this responding to Christ's call for a few reasons. One, because the pattern there shows us that a definite change is involved when we become disciples. If we see becoming a disciple as responding to Christ's call, then we see that there is a before we responded, when we were mending our nets and fishing with our father and sitting at our tax booth. And then there comes the call, not verbal in our case, but by the Holy Spirit through the gospel to our hearts. And then there is our response, a submission of our will and a following. So it emphasizes the change that takes place. It emphasizes as well Jesus' authority and his will that that is a significant part of being a Christian. We're not saved because we obey, but we're not saved without obeying. It's a work that he does in us because we are becoming disciples who submit to the rabbi who called us. If any of those disciples originally had simply chosen not to stand up and walk after Jesus, we would not say, well, they're still a disciple. They just aren't following him. We would simply say they're not a disciple. Of course, the last thing that this way of speaking of coming to Christ, responding to his call, the last way that it is important is that it emphasizes that to become a Christian, it's not just to check a doctrinal box. It's not even just to be born again, but it is to follow after Jesus, to enter into a new relationship with Jesus, which involves following him, being in proximity to him, not physically, but spiritually. So, that all refers to the initiating call of Jesus to us that makes us a disciple. It happens spiritually by the Holy Spirit when we hear the gospel, and then we respond by submitting to Christ's will, trusting him alone, and following after him. But the call of Jesus applies not just at the very beginning of our walk with Jesus, and then we forget about it, but it's important for us to see ourselves every day as people who respond to Christ's call to follow him. This brings us back to Luke 9.23. Notice in Luke 9.23, he says to all, which again, doesn't quite include us, but at least extends the circle beyond the original 12, shows you that this is meant for more than just the original 12, that he's giving a call to follow him. And that gives you a hint that it's going to go even beyond those hearing it that day to us. He said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So, just like those original 12, they started following Jesus on that first day. But what did they do on the second day? They got up. And they kept following Jesus. And on the third day, they did not go back to their boats and their tax booth. They got up on the third day, and wherever Jesus walked, they walked behind him. 
and the fourth day, and the fifth day, and the second year, all the way to the third year, his entire ministry. The same applies to us. Although the call of Jesus is an effectual call that takes place at the beginning of our relationship with Christ, it's something that applies to us every single day. In other words, there is an active choice that we make in responding to Christ's call. Maybe a good illustration of this, going back to the original disciples, is at the end of John, John chapter 21. Peter, who had already been a disciple for three years, denied Jesus. Jesus resurrects after his death and reconnects with Peter. And Peter is coming to repentance over what he has done, working through repentance, I should say, over what he has done. At one point, Peter is walking with Jesus. They're talking, and Jesus indicates that Peter is going to suffer martyrdom. Well, the apostle John is nearby, and Peter points back to John and says, well, what about him? And Jesus' response is how all of us should think of Christ's call. He says, if it's my will that he, John, remains until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So there you have an indication that the call to Peter given three years before, follow me. Peter responded three years before. Jesus is reinforcing the fact that that still applies to Peter. Don't get distracted. Don't look elsewhere. You follow me. It's both indicative of that's what you do, but it's also it's a command. You have to continue following me, which is exactly what we do. Someone who put this really well outside of the Bible is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. You're going to hear about him quite a lot this quarter as well because he wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship, and he paid that cost himself in martyrdom. Bonhoeffer wrote this, quote, As we embark upon discipleship, we surrender ourselves to Christ in union with his death. We give over our lives to death. Thus it begins. Begins. So responding to the call, thus it begins. The cross is not the terrible end to an otherwise God-fearing and happy life, but it meets us at the beginning of our communion with Christ. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. He's drawing on Luke 9.23, where Jesus says, if you want to follow him, you have to deny yourself, and you have to take up your cross every day, daily, and follow him. You are not allowed to follow him without taking up the cross every day. And even though the word daily applies to taking up your cross, it's clear in the context the following is also a daily thing. Every day we Christians, if we want to follow Jesus, have to be committed to taking up the cross, and we'll talk next week what that means more specifically, but taking up our cross and following him. The cross meets us, Bonhoeffer says, at the beginning of our communion with Christ. Our following starts right then. We take up the cross right then, but then our following goes on throughout our whole life. <laughs> it's not just a sacrifice we make at the very end. It is right from when we first respond to Christ's call, and it applies to us ongoingly. This is fairly stark, maybe, in some ways. Take up a cross, follow, commit every day, no matter how hard it gets. We'll talk about some of the pains and the pleasures of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. But those who know Christ, this is also a great joy. To think of our relationship with him, not just as something abstract, but it's him spiritually calling to us to follow, and us responding and then following spiritually after him day by day. 
It may be in the past that you thought of salvation in more abstract terms as something that just happened to you when you were younger and that was kind of the end of it and you'll revisit that when you are in judgment or something like that. You may have thought that before, but may God help us all now to think this way. 